You're listening to Comedy Central. The metaverse. It's the virtual world that's just like the real world, by which I mean Mark Zuckerberg is harvesting your data there too. Companies like Meta, AKA Facebook, are betting billions of dollars on the hope that virtual reality is the future of human interaction. But as they get started, they're finding out that in many ways, the people of the future are all too much like the people of the past. Meta is launching a new tool for its virtual reality worlds after users reported virtual groping and other abusive behavior. The personal boundary default setting will allow users to feel like there's four feet of space between them and others. Meta says this will make it easier to avoid unwanted interactions. I mean, come on, in the virtual world now? It comes after a woman claims she was verbally and sexually harassed within a minute of joining a virtual game last year. Yeah, look, people, none of this is surprising. I mean, anytime a new technology has been invented, it has quickly been used to harass people. You know, right after man discovered fire, creeps were probably like, awesome, now I can show my dick to strangers at night. <laughs> but still, the metaverse was not designed for you to sexually harass others, okay? It was designed to distract everyone from Facebook's other scandals. And what I don't understand is how Facebook couldn't weed out these people before they get into the metaverse. How are these people even getting into the metaverse? Like, think about it, Facebook has information on everybody. How come they can't tell who's an internet pervert, but then they can show me ads for crutches three days before I get hit by a car, huh? But obviously, this is really about the principle of feeling safe and respected. It's not actual sexual assault. You know, no one in the metaverse even has a butt to grab. There's nothing below the waist. That's why everyone in the metaverse goes to the bathroom out of their mouth. It's a really weird experience. I actually feel like I know where this is going though. You know, they're gonna say, well, we tried making avatars without bottoms and that didn't work. So maybe we should try one where nobody has tops either. It's gonna be just faces, like a book of faces. Nothing can go wrong with that. And we'll be like, wow, this is the future. I actually have a controversial solution to this. Uh, this is what I think Meta should do. Meta should do nothing. Yeah, I said it, Meta should do nothing. Let sexual harassment run wild in the metaverse. Just do it. Because think about it. If we can trap all the sexual harassers in the metaverse, we won't have to worry about sexual harassment in the real world. Yeah, all the creeps will be at home with their VR helmets, touching each other's cartoon nipples. The rest of us will just interact with actual humans, safe from sexual harassment. It's a win-win, huh? Huh? It's a great idea. I mean, keep in mind, this isn't actually dangerous. You know, you're not in a dark alley, you're in your living room. And your dad's upstairs, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, and how did this even happen? Aren't the only people in the metaverse Facebook executives? <laughs> right? It feels like it's anybody has access to this thing. Now, keep in mind, Trevor, we have personal space rules in real life, too. Yeah. And they get violated. That's true. You know, you ever take the L train late at night, 10 p.m., you got a 69 somebody just to get in the car. So we should and improve that. I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing on the L train. No. Granted, I'm always in like the preferable position in the 69. Yeah. I always say you want to be like head up. Yeah, you, yeah you're the nine. I am. Yeah, guess who's, guess who's the six? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes when we do this, I feel like I'm the six right here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, let's move on to the big political news from over the weekend. The Republican Party right now 
is uh, more divided than Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. The big debate is between a small handful of conservatives who think it is wrong to try and steal an election versus the majority of Republicans who say overthrowing democracy is just legitimate political discourse. Well, now Mike Pence has chosen a side. The former vice president, Mike Pence, rebuked President Trump's insistence that Pence could have rejected the electoral college results on January 6th. President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. But President Trump is wrong. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. Ooh, Mike Pence standing up to Donald Trump. Hey, hey. Look at my guy trying new things for the first time. Next week, player's gonna be having sex with his eyes open. But still, good for Pence. And it's gonna be fun watching him endorse Trump for re-election in two years. He was right, I should have done it. And next time, maybe I will. Now, as, as part of the January 6th committee's investigation, it has been collecting documents from the Trump White House to find out what people might have been saying at the time of the insurrection. And this has turned out to be harder than it should for a couple of reasons. For one, Donald Trump had a habit of tearing up everything that he read. Yeah. And not even to hide stuff, just anything he was done with, he'd just tear it up and throw it on the floor. Probably his revenge on paper for making him read it. And now we're finding out that the stuff Trump didn't tear up, he sometimes kept as souvenirs. The National Archives had to head down to Mar-a-Lago to take back some White House documents former President Trump had apparently taken to Florida. According to the Washington Post, Trump improperly removed multiple boxes from the White House. To be clear, by law, all those records should have been turned over to the National Archives and Records Administration. They say that this box mostly contained things like mementos, you know, letters between world leaders like uh, leader of North Korea, Kim Jong-un, for example. Oh, guys, I can't believe that Trump saved Kim Jong-un's old love letters. That's so romantic, and I, I get it, I really do, I get it. Like, a lot of people keep stuff that's sentimental. Like, I, I still keep my old letters from high school. You know, I've got one here, really beautiful. As a... Dear Trevor, I love you. You're like a brother to me, a sweet, sweet younger brother, a real member of my family. <laughs> Damn, she wanted me bad. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised that his own letters are the only thing that Trump took from the White House. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, when he got kicked out, I thought he'd just stuff as much stuff into his pockets as he could, you know? Like, he'd get out there and then White House security would shake him and the bust of Frederick Douglass would just fall out of his pants. He'd be like, I don't know who that is, but I'm learning more and more about him every day. Fantastic guy. I think we would have gotten along great. So great. Every day, Putin moves his tanks closer and closer to the Ukraine border, creating the world's most high-stakes game of, I'm not touching you. You can't call mom, I never touch your face. Never touch your face, I don't touch your face. Now, because war is bad for business and also human life, every country is trying everything that they can to talk Russia down from its invasion plans. And yesterday, the president of France took his shot. And people had high hopes for this meeting, you know, because the French and the Russians, they have a lot in common. Um, for example, both have disgusting salad dressings named after them. But despite this commonality, the meeting did not go well. 
French President Emmanuel Macron is in Russia. He met with Russian President Vladimir Putin in Moscow at a 20-foot-long table thanks to COVID restrictions. Macron believes Russia has a right to ask questions about its security and seek guarantees. Putin did not offer to de-escalate in that meeting with Macron, but Russia does continue to deny any plans of an invasion. Okay, people, what, what the hell is this? Why, why are they sitting so far apart. Like, I've, I've been in Zoom meetings where I'm sitting closer to the other person. Who, like, why do you even have a table so big? Like, do you see that thing? Like, maybe Putin isn't trying to take over Ukraine because he's evil. Maybe he just needs more space for his giant furniture. Apparently, the reason for this distance is because they say they want to make sure that everyone is safe. That's what they say. And no, I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about Putin. Yeah. If he wants to kill you, at least with this table, he's got to catch an Uber to get to your end. In four minutes, you're dead. Five minutes now, Latif missed his turn. Why would you take that road? I don't know. So if I cancel now, do I pay? How does this work? Putin is playing some crazy psychological mind games with Macron. You think so? Yeah, French people don't know how to sit at a big table like that. He didn't know what to do. They're used to those tiny little bistro tables where they have like room for one little glass of wine and a cube of cheese. That's it. It's the French thing. Also, I can't stop thinking about the poor delivery guy who had to lug that table all the way up the staircase just for that meeting. And then he had to wait five hours and take the table back down. Crazy. Well, I don't think that's how delivery works. I think. Well, think about it. If he's playing mind games like that, he brought that table in specifically for that meeting. And that delivery guy, he better not get any nicks or dings in it because he's getting poison in the neck if he does. Yeah, I, I think you have a very different idea of, of what they do. But yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly what happened. We'll agree to disagree. We totally agree. I think. Look, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, the table might be better than catching COVID, but it could also be the reason that there's a giant war because these two couldn't possibly have understood each other at all. I mean, just, just listen to the conversation. Mr. Putin, we cannot risk another war. What? We cannot skin another boar? No, no, not boars. I'm talking about foreign affairs. You're having an affair? Of course, you're French. Maybe I could sit closer to you. No, I'm saving this seat for a friend. His coat is on it. But you can't hear anything I'm saying. That is interesting, yeah. Are you doing that thing where you agree because you're not sure what I said? Moscow smells like urine. Your face looks like a peach head Botox. And it's only Monday. All right, let's make like the president of your high school drama club and move to New York City. Last month, New York inaugurated a new mayor, moderate Democrats and former police captain, Eric Adams. And even though he's new in the job, that hasn't stopped him from making his presence felt. For instance, he's said that he's gonna take his mayor's salary in crypto. Yeah, which means he's the richest mayor, poorest mayor, richest mayor, poorest mayor, richest mayor, poorest mayor, richest mayor, poorest mayor. I wish I'd taken cash mayor in the world right now. Also, Mayor Adams, is a vegan. <gasps> yeah, no, I thought he was black. I know. And uh, this week he announced that going forward, all New York City schools would have to have mandatory vegan Fridays, which I actually think is a great idea. Yes, because Friday I think needs to be taken down a peg, you know? Oh, you're excited for the weekend? How about a tofu sandwich, bitch? Now, obviously because of this decision, 
a lot of people are mad. Like a lot of people are mad. You have to eat meat or it's not a meal. But if you ask me, there's nothing wrong with kids being exposed to different kinds of foods and different kinds of diets. And yeah, I'm talking about you, kids with peanut allergies. Stop being so close-minded. So yeah, schools in New York are gonna serve vegan food on Fridays, partly because the mayor himself is vegan. Or is he? It's a big city scandal in New York. Mayor Eric Adams is making waves with the revelation that he eats fish. Adams is a self-proclaimed vegan. A report in Politico New York over the weekend cited restaurant sources at a midtown eatery frequented by the mayor, who say Adams often dines on fish. He released a statement saying, I want to be a role model for people who are following or aspire to follow a plant-based diet. But as I said, I am perfectly imperfect and have occasionally eaten fish. Okay, everybody calm down, everybody calm down. I can feel the stress in the room right now. Everybody calm down. I know you're angry right now, and I know you want him to step down, but give the man a chance. Yes, he's a vegan who sometimes eats fish, but don't get it twisted, man. Being a vegan isn't about eating vegan. It's about telling everybody that you're vegan. So technically, this man's legit. And that is what's great about New York. We're imperfect here, we're perfectly imperfect. You can label yourself whatever you want in New York, whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter, you know? That's why the vegan mayor isn't vegan. And that's why the New York Jets can call themselves a football team. <laughs> you know, if you ask me, the weird thing to me is not that he cheats occasionally on his veganism. It's the fact that his cheat meal is fish. I mean, if you're gonna cheat, cheat, my man, cheat. Eat a cheeseburger or a pepperoni pizza. Eating fish as your cheat meal is like getting a whole pass from your spouse and using that whole pass to have sex with a fish. It's a total waste of a whole pass and a fish. I gotta say, I really appreciate his transparency and that he didn't make the fish sign an NDA. That's progress. I guess. Yeah, come on, this is like an adorable political scandal. This is ridiculous. Let the guy eat a little bit of fish. What's next? Uh, Adams took a penny, but didn't leave a penny. He put a plastic cup in the paper recycling bin. He's keeping solitary confinement at Rikers. Okay, that one is, that one's bad. The paper cup one's also pretty bad. God. Yeah, that's like, those are, those are, Trevor, those are pretty bad. I apologized bad. over and over again. I don't know what else I can do. The colors match, you put the, well, you know. All right, finally. If you're still looking for a perfect Valentine's Day gift, there are a few last minute options that you can consider. I know it's late, but you can consider these things. You can cook a nice meal, right? And if you can't cook, you can give that special person a coupon that they can exchange for a piece of jewelry later if they promise not to dump you, huh? Or, or you can get them a gift that'll take your relationship to totally new heights. New this morning for you with a week to go until Valentine's Day. One company in Las Vegas wants to help couples safely join the Mile High Club. It's from the company Love Cloud, fittingly. Well, couples can rent a private 45-minute flight. It comes with a private bed blocked off from the pilot with the curtain there. Well, officials say there's also a commemorative membership card signed by the pilot himself. They also say the sheets are changed and everything's been cleaned in between flights for you. Prices for the romantic getaway start at $995. Wow, okay. This is, 
not what I expected. And I feel like it kind of defeats the whole purpose of the Mile High Club, you know? The Mile High Club isn't just about having sex on a plane. It's about having terrible sex quietly without getting sucked down that toilet. That's the experience. Anyone can have sex on a plane. Not to mention, they said this flight only lasts 45 minutes. Only 45 minutes? You realize that's barely enough time to apologize for the first two minutes. And don't get me started on the fact that the pilot, AKA Mr. Smiley over here, I've just got to trust that I've got privacy because he closed that little curtain. (laughs) I'm not gonna pay $1,000 to have sex while some random dude is sitting there pretending to not pay attention. That's not a plane. It's a flying dorm room. So, I mean, look, good luck to these guys. But I don't know how many people are gonna wanna take this flight because there's always a chance of a crash. There's always a chance. When you fly, there's a chance you can crash. And nobody wants their obituary to be like, John Sanders was killed today when his sex plane crashed into a mountain. The main thing, though, is that it just doesn't seem like it's worth a thousand bucks. It's a cool experience, but a thousand dollars is a lot of money. I mean, think about it. Spirit Airlines only costs, what, $119 round trip? Yeah, and they always leave you feeling like you were So, I mean, that's a pretty sweet deal. Canada, America's quiet upstairs neighbor, or at least they used to be. Because as you may have heard, there is a major anti-vaccine protest taking place in Canada's capital city of Ottawa right now. Now, anti-vaccine protests are pretty common these days, right? But these protesters are different because they're truck drivers which means they have trucks. And people with trucks have more power than any other people. They just do. This is like a fact of trucks. Think about it. In every heist movie ever, what do they need to pull off the heist? A truck. Yeah, when a Batman villain tries to shut down the city, they need a truck. Having trucks just gives you the ability to outmuscle people who don't have trucks. And so even though 90% of Canadian truckers are vaxxed, the small minority is still able to cause big problems. They've essentially shut down downtown Ottawa for two weeks now. And if you want to know why these truckers are so fired up, well, they're more than happy to tell you. What is the stuff that you can't do right now as as a non-vaccinated person? I live in Quebec, so it's a bit more intense than other places in Canada. But look, I can't go skiing. I can't go to Walmart. I can't go to Canadian Tire. I can't go to Home Depot. I can't go to restaurants. I can't go to bars. I can't go to the gym. And because you're not vaccinated, have you... Is there business? Is there stuff you can't do in Canada now? Yeah, like, I, I'm like, I'm like, well, basically, if you want to compare Canada uh, to anything, it's like uh, Hitler's Germany, and we're like the Jews, eh? You see, this is why we shouldn't be banning books. Because now this guy thinks that the Holocaust is when you can't take a shit in a Tim Hortons. I mean, even Marjorie Taylor Greene is looking at this guy like, dude, this isn't anything like the Holocaust. There's no soup here at all. It's actually wild when you think about it, like how many different ways people disrespect Holocaust survivors because some people are like, what happened to you didn't happen. And then some people are like, no, what happened to you did happen. And it's happening again to me right now because I can't go skiing, team. But anyway, the point is these truckers and their supporters feel persecuted. And when this started, it was just a protest against vaccine requirements for truckers, but it's now grown into a wider movement against all coronavirus restrictions. They want vaccine mandates gone, They want mask mandates gone. They want to be free to sneeze into strangers' mouths again, like the good old days. But blocking traffic in downtown Ottawa hasn't done the trick. So now they've decided to take things up a notch. 
A crucial trade link between Canada and the United States was disrupted by protesters for a third day in a row. The Ambassador Bridge is the busiest international crossing in North America, linking Windsor, Ontario to Detroit, while another border crossing in Ontario is experiencing an hours-long delay. The Ambassador Bridge sees about one quarter of all the goods that go between the two countries every day. On a normal day, that's about $340 million worth of goods rolling through, and the impact is already being felt. Ontario auto plants, including Ford and Stellantis, reduced production over the last 24 hours due to missing parts from shipments. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau calling for an end to the protests. Right now, people in Windsor are suffering and losing their jobs because they can't get auto parts across the Ambassador Bridge. Yeah, you see? See? Now you can really see how much of an impact a truck protest can have. You just park a bunch of them on a bridge, just a key bridge, boom! International trade slows to a trickle, which I didn't even know could still happen, by the way. You know, because that almost sounds like a story from medieval times. You know, when the army would block one mountain pass and then your entire village would starve. And then you'd have to eat your horse and then your dog and then eventually you'd be forced to eat your own children. And then right as you finish eating your last child, the siege would end and you have to spend the rest of your life in therapy. I just feel really bad for eating my own children. Look, you can't blame yourself. That path was closed for almost two days. Like, think about it, think about it. If these were just regular protesters on foot, the cops would have cleared them out by now. But to move a truck, you need someone who can drive a truck, which isn't as easy as it sounds. It takes months of training to be able to sit in the driver's seat of a truck and not just honk the horn the whole time. It's extremely tempting. So now, these truckers are finding a lot of support, not just from Canadians, but from Republicans in the United States. Yeah. Rand Paul, Donald Trump, everyone on Fox News are coming out in support of these truckers, which I do find kind of funny. Because all of these people who are cheering on the truckers are like, yeah, shut it all down, truckers, bring the economy to its knees. Aren't those the same people who said we shouldn't have any COVID restrictions because the last thing we wanted to do is bring an economy down to its knees? I mean, so basically what? It's, it's, it's not worth hurting the economy just to save countless lives, but it is to make a point then if you're just making a point, then it's like, yeah, go for it, buddy, you got it. But regardless, these Republicans are now calling for the trucker movement to come to America. And uh, it looks like they might soon get their wish. Ottawa's so-called freedom convoy spawning similar anti-vax mandate protests in cities around the world. In Australia, protesters assembled outside the Capitol building, many waving Australian flags and signs asking for freedom. In New Zealand, protesters camped outside Parliament for a second day. And in France, hundreds of protesters in Nice headed for Paris, waving Canadian flags. The Department of Homeland Security is telling law enforcement authorities it's receiving reports that a similar kind of convoy could soon begin in the U.S. The department has, quote, received reports of truck drivers planning to potentially block roads in major metro metropolitan cities in the United States. The protest could begin as soon as Sunday in Los Angeles to disrupt the Super Bowl and then travel across the country to disrupt President Biden's State of the Union in D.C. on March 1st. Whoa. These guys want to disrupt the Super Bowl. I don't know, man. That seems like a terrible strategy. I mean, think about it. You'd be ruining one of the last things that everyone in America loves. Everyone. You're going to block the Super Bowl? What's your follow-up? Driving over Dolly Parton? And honestly, I don't know how disrupting Super Bowl traffic is even gonna work. Right? If you're in Los Angeles on Super Bowl Sunday, you're the one who's gonna be stuck in the traffic. Come on, move it! I gotta get to the traffic disruption, come on! 
And not to mention, disrupting the State of the Union could also backfire on these truckers. Yeah, they're gonna come there and then what, honk their horns? You realize all those horns are just gonna help Biden stay awake. State of the State of the Union. Yeah. Oh, strong. State of the Union is strong. Come on, Jack, it's so strong, super strong, man. So yeah, these trucker protests from Canada might be coming to America. And if that's the case, we gotta prepare ourselves because a lot of things that are big in Canada, they blow up much more when they come to America. You know, Drake, Justin Bieber, those cool weed posters that they got up there. But I will say this, the funny thing about the whole protest is that when it comes to coronavirus restrictions in America, what are they gonna be protesting? There's not a whole lot left, right? I mean, coronavirus isn't over, but everyone has already started to act like it is. Businesses are open, schools are in session, and even the bluest states are getting rid of mask mandates. So I guess what I'm saying is, congratulations, truck drivers, you did it. So I guess now there's no need to block the Super Bowl, please. Unless the Rams start winning, then you block that shit. I bet my house on the Bengals, man. Block everything. You drive on the field, you just block them. Mm. What's up, sports nuts? I'm Roy Chang. That's Roy Wood Jr. Roy, are you ready to talk about sports? Dude, we're standing on fake grass. Of course I am. Let's do it. Great. Let's start with the Winter Olympics. I thought you meant real sports, like basketball or wordle. Didn't know. <sighs> what? The... Come on, the Winter Olympics have all kinds of great sports, like, uh, like skiing and uh, cross-country skiing and alpine skiing and snow skiing and uh, ski snowing and uh, ski lift riding. Stop, 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 this is a hate crime. No, no, no Roy, that's not a hate crime. What is a hate crime is what China did in the opening ceremony. I mean, just take a look at this. The Winter Olympics now in full swing after the ceremonial start of the games. Team USA walking in the parade of nations. But a controversial ending to the ceremony, China choosing a Uyghur athlete as one of the torchbearers to light the final Olympic flame. The host country has been condemned for its treatment of the Muslim ethnic minority in Xinjiang, leading the U.S. and other nations to hold a diplomatic boycott of the games. Damn, trotting out the Uyghurs like that. Do you have any idea the size of the balls that takes? The Great Wall ain't the only thing you can see from space. Mm. I don't even get what the message was supposed to be here. China's like, it's all cool. See, we let them hold fire. See, see, this is the problem. See, this is why the Olympics host country should be a global superpower that's not mixed up in all the allegations of human rights mm. abuses. Mm. Yes, like exactly. A good country, you know? Exactly, like, like, uh, like, like, uh, one. um, what's the one? No, uh, not them. What about, no, they just uh, got no war. Uh, I see. You know what, let's move on. Let's, let's just move on, okay. we'll, 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 we'll come up with one. We'll come up with one, because there's still a pandemic going on. That's and right. China's COVID crackdowns are turning the games into a different kind of spectacle. Everyone who touches down in Beijing for the Winter Games is greeted by a hazmat suit-wearing welcoming committee like this one. They help you navigate various checkpoints and not one, but two COVID tests. When an athlete or reporter tests positive, they're ordered to put on a full hazmat suit and taken away by ambulance to a COVID isolation hotel 45 minutes away. And the food, some say, is inedible. One Russian athlete says she was given this tray of food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for five days. My stomach hurts and I have huge black circles around my eyes. I cry 
try every day. That's what they're feeding Olympians? How did a chef even go about preparing that? Eating food and then throwing it up again? No, man, it's got all the major food groups. Unsalted potatoes, weird meat, red liquid. I say bon appetit. What I can't believe is that they're making them wear hazmat suits just for COVID. Those should be reserved for more dangerous situations like, like, like handling flesh-eating bacteria or, or using a bathroom on a bus. I totally disagree with you, Roy. That's such an American perspective. When the rest of the world gets COVID, they quarantine. When Americans catch COVID, they go to Applebee's. Hey, hey, hey. Badmouth America all you want, but what you're not gonna do is disrespect Applebee's, all right? They got milkshake egg rolls, bro. They are so delicious and decadent. Whatever. But enough about the Olympics. Let's talk about the Olympics of a sport that only America plays. The Super Bowl. That's what I'm talking about, Ronnie. Finally, we're talking about football. Cincinnati Bengals, LA Rams on Sunday, and I'm already on layer 83 of my famous 1400 layer bean dip. Mm-mm-mm. I call it the iceberg melter. What does that mean? Because it causes so much fart and it messes with the global warming and stuff. Out your, okay, out your that ass, is disgusting. You know? While you're gambling with your digestive system, Americans will be doing a different kind of gambling. The gambling kind. Millions, literally, of Americans are expected to place a wager of some type on the Super Bowl. And they'll bet an eye-popping $7.6 billion, up 78% from last year. That dramatic rise attributed largely to broader access. Well, since last year, 10 states have launched legal sports betting, meaning 45 million more Americans can wager in their home state than last year. $7.6 billion on Super Bowl gambling? That could buy you a lot of NFTs, Mm -hmm. or maybe just a few NFTs. I still don't know what NFTs are. Here's my thing. The second they legalized gambling, it was everywhere. Day one, day one, everywhere, gambling. The websites were ready, the ads were on my timeline, so why does every other law take years to kick in? Joe Biden, put DraftKings in charge of your infrastructure bill. By March, everybody gonna have their own bridge. But you know, Roy, the Super Bowl isn't all about gambling and farting. I disagree, but go on. It's also about having the worst Monday of the year, unless you live in Ohio. Cincinnati Public Schools are giving students the day off after the big game. The school district tweeted in honor of the Bengals' first Super Bowl appearance since 1988. CPS will not have school on Monday, February 14th. They say it's so everyone can, quote, celebrate what we believe will be our city's first Super Bowl victory. You should just make it a national holiday. I love this. And as someone who grew up in Cincinnati, I will also be taking next Monday off. You're not from Cincinnati. Yeah, I am. Name one thing Cincinnati's famous for. Uh, nothing. Okay. Fuck you, guess. But seriously, this is bullshit. What is this teaching the children of Ohio? You're not supposed to get off the day after the Super Bowl. You're supposed to pretend you have the flu the day after the Super Bowl. By the way, Roy, do you want to come over to my place to watch the Super Bowl? I can't, dog. I got COVID. What? Like right now? Of course, yes. Right now, I have COVID. Well, then what are we doing here in the studio? We should be going to Applebee's. My man, that's what I'm talking about. Let's do it. Back to you, Trevor. Milkshake egg rolls. Trust me, you're going to love them, I'm going to try that shit today. Before we go, 
please consider supporting Young, Black, and Lit. They're an organization that sources and distributes new books featuring Black main characters to elementary and middle schools at no cost. So if you want to support them in their work, promoting access to children's books that reflect the experiences of Black children, then please donate at the link below. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 